Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast, live from Indianapolis, the site of the 2024 NFL Combine. Johnny Venerable, Bob Brock, the playmaker, Britton Golden on the scene today as folks have traveled throughout continental United States and more to take in what is, I think, the biggest event of the offseason, Bo. Yeah, it never fails to deliver. The NFL Combine, I'm putting uh, maybe a little jealousy aside that, that went down about an hour ago. <laughs> Uh, to, to not ruin our, our big first day out here, Britton. It's, it's great to have BG back on the show. It's great to have you out here, get your insight, especially when we start to get into these prospects. But we had some great conversations with the Brain Trust for the Cardinals today. Yeah, no, it was a good day. It's good to be here. Uh, it's a different side of the combine, you know. I mean, it's the first combine I was invited to, by the way, you know. We are invited with all city and PHNX. That's right. But, yeah, we, got, we heard a lot of good things from both, you know, the big heads of the organization today. You know, a lot of lot of good things going forward and a lot of hope, I think. Yeah, a lot of hope for the Arizona Cardinals. We, we got a chat with the decision makers, the brain trust, the top brass for the Arizona Cardinals today, really for the first time since the end of the regular season. You chatted with Jonathan Gannon like two and a half months ago. We have not heard from Monty Austin Ford in what has been, about, I would say, like a quarter of the year, and that's great. You don't want to see your GM uh, cough, cough in the public consistently. Austin Ford works behind the scenes. And it was great to chat up with Monty Austin Ford today specifically yeah. about what the Cardinals plan to do with pick number four, Bo. Yeah, I mean, you get 15 minutes to kind of set the scene here. And you've got different, uh, I guess, head honchos from across the league for all 32 teams, GMs, head coaches, taking podiums all over the place. And they're slotted at different times. And Austin Ford came up here 130 locally, did his 15 minutes. So you're packing everything in because as Johnny said we haven't talked to these guys since the regular season we haven't had like a, a, a formal conversation with Monty Austin Fort since I, I want to say maybe training camp which which is forever right yeah. um, so you're you're trying to get a sense of which direction this team is going you've got reports you've got speculation and to kind of hear from the guy himself Britton you know the direction he's going uh, you know, go with a ton of draft space, with a ton of, of ample cap space, it seems like he, he's ready to kind of utilize all that. And that's exciting for Cardinals fans. No, it is. And, and you can see the, the nice, calm, cool demeanor he went with. I mean, he did such an excellent job in the draft last year as a first year going into it. I think he feels a little bit more relaxed now. This is year two going in. He knows what he's looking for. I've, him and JG both talked about the culture that they're trying to build in that locker room and in the organization. And I think they have a feel for what they're trying to do. And it's just making things a lot move a lot smoother going forward. Somebody asking if that's I threw shaded Saul with my GM comment. Oh. No, that was Steve Kime shade. <laughs> if that wasn't clear already, let me make sure I don't get fired on the spot here. Great question from JT. No, that was a definite shot at, at, at Steve Kime, who was always in the in the public eye, for better or worse. Uh, Monty Austin Ford, though, in all seriousness, it, it did feel like like much more 
in command yes. than I saw him this time last year. And that's not a knock at him. He just was very fresh and new to the role. And he excelled at it, by the way, during 2023. But, like, the, the, the confidence that is beaming from this Cardinal organization, mm -hmm. I get it, coming off four games. But they know, even bef before we show you the clips, Bo and Britton, they know okay. what they have at their disposal. They have a shit drop. ton of cash, and they have a ton of draft capital. Mm. This is, we talked to somebody, and you're going to see this later in the show, Jordan Reed of ESPN. There are potentially up to 25 to 30 first-round graded prospects this year, which differs from your usual draft class, which is maybe as low as 12 to 15. I mean, this is a robust draft class, and the Cardinals are that number one in the NFL, Bo. Six picks in the top 100, seven picks in the top 105. Like, they yeah. know they, they're going to get better in a hurry. Yeah, they could potentially have three selections where they're taking first-round graded talent. That's unbelievable, right? Yeah. Because I think 35, you're still within striking distance oh, of that. Yeah. So especially with all these quarterback needy teams and who would be, you know, apt to, to reach for those quarterbacks to try to uh, get, you know, franchise signal caller in place. But, man, I think that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ossonfort, as far as the direction of this organization, they're not going to show you their hand, but they're able to tell you about it because they, they have, you know, all the insight and in, in what they want. They know where they want to go and how to get there. And they can at least kind of paint the picture a little bit for you without just coming out and, and giving you nothing answers. Like, they, they know, you know, exactly what they want from the players out here and you know as far as what direction they're going to with the roster that's in place now and where they're going to go in free agency like Monty Austin Ford said look we're going to weigh our options we're going to evaluate this free agent market and you know the word was attack last week this week it's strike mm -hmm. and they have the cap space to do so but they need to figure out okay what player what free agent is are we going to deem valuable is his value going to hit the market and kind of keep in line with what we want to spend and if those align they're going to go after that guy aggressively yeah i i just feel like they're in a position they can do anything they want to do like we got word today unfortunately it sounds like justin matabuke of the baltimore ravens is going to be franchise tag, yeah. which is unfortunate right t higgins is going to be franchise tag so they know that they can't play in certain sandbox but if a guy hits the market Britain, they have the assets to say, we can spend money on that player. We can vet that player. We know they have their top 100 big board ready to go for free agency. Now it's the time of execution because Cardinal fans have taken their medicine, as has this franchise, for over a year. Strip it down to the studs. Find out who can play and who can't from the prior regime. And now it's time to go on the attack mode with the, with the resources that they have. Oh, agreed. And attacking free agency, uh, as you said, is is going to be big for the Cardinals this year again. I mean, I, like you said, they know what they want at this point. Mm -hmm. They know they want to build through their draft. They know, you know, they're going to try to work around the core guys. Like you said, the studs that they have on the roster right now. I think, as you said, the right person that comes available on free agency, I think as you, they, they will attack that immediately. They will find a way to get that person here, especially if he fits exactly what they want to do. Like you said, we've got the money. We've got the resources. We have every opportunity to get who we need right now and, and I believe that they're going to attack it at the right we'll moment. Get to, we'll get to some of these comments. Everybody absolutely crushing it in the chat, but I first want to say like, I, I get the sense that they are primed and prepped just like they would any given week uh, for their opponent. 
Yeah. Like I, I, they, they, they do all the, they put in all the hard work and the effort to where on game days it's just fluid. And I get the same sense from JG to, of course, the front office and Monty Osenfort and and how they're going to to attack this free agency. Like it, they're not, they're not going to be caught off guard. They're not going to just be flying by the seat of their pants. Like what if this guy becomes available or what if this guy needs this much money? They're prepared and they're primed that if the right player becomes available, they're, they're going to go right after him. Like. It is stuff like I commend like these teams keeping these good players. Yeah, like we heard uh, it was a Tobin talking right next to us. He's the GM of the Bengals, and it's like, well, we had the money to keep T. Higgins, and we're going to keep T. Higgins. Yeah. He's a good football player. Why wouldn't we? Uh, you know, and the same goes. I'm sure Linus thinking for DaCosta in Baltimore and keeping Matabuke, who's 25 years old. How about the Vikings general manager just coming out right and saying like, yeah, why, why would why would I ever trade right. Justin Jefferson? Oh yeah, like the. We saw what happened when, you know, the Titans opted to trade A.J. Brown. Yeah. It gets everybody fired. Like, it, it does feel like like these fringe guys like Russell and Justin Fields, those guys are getting moved unequivocally this mm-hmm. offseason. Like, their yes. coaches have alluded to that. These cornerstone pieces of these franchises, that's why you want to build through the draft. They're not they're not leaving their organizations. Mm-hmm. They're getting re-signed. Right. They're being franchise tagged. And that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be good players for the Cardinals to target. But I, I do feel like we can put to bed, like, trading 27 for a player like I, I don't feel like that's a that's a realistic possibility for this team you don't think that there's a possibility like I'm just seeing from Schefter that you know the Chiefs have talked to Larry Jerry Sneed who's going to be one of the top corners that they are willing to work with him they would tag him but then trying to help facilitate a deal is that somebody that you don't, you don't <sighs> not at view 20, as an option not at 27 and again you immediately have to pay him uh, and it's not like the Cardinals can't do that but do they have the appetite to do that in year two of a re- rebuild? I could be wrong. That remains to be seen. I just I feel like we got more clarity this week on like, yeah, if you want a number one receiver, obviously you need to draft and develop that player. Yeah. Um, because Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, these guys, number one, I don't think they fit a lot of what the Cardinals want to do in terms of their rebuild timeline. And also, like, we know how the Cardinals feel about Marvin Harrison Jr. Not only yeah. after today, but just, you know, what we've been hearing behind the scenes and Let's hear from Monty Austin Ford, who had a chance when asked to speak on MHJ and let's just say the work that the Cardinals are doing to scout the, what I think, a blue chip generational prospect. Just, I mean, we're, we've done a lot of work on him. I think it's the line that yeah. stands out to everybody because we were joking before we, we talked to Monty about what would be his answer because I didn't expect him to give away too much. I assumed I would get or we would get, yeah, Marvin's a great player, just like a lot of these receivers, and then bundle them all together. He was much more specific than I thought he would be with Marvin and the homework that they're doing on him. He kept it very singular to Marvin, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, a lot better than a couple of the answers we heard earlier from, from the other GMs and coaches mm-hmm. who were talking about, you yeah. know, and they just, like you said, looped it into all the other, how strong the receiver class is. But you can definitely tell that the Cardinals organization has done their homework on Marvin. They've studied up, they've looked, they've, 
they've made the assumption that they believe that he can fit in this in this system and fit well and be able to you know obviously give productivity immediately and which the kind of player that Marvin Harrison Jr. is right now you know that he could fit into pretty much any system and come in here and make an impact so I I think they've done an excellent job and you know where they would love to go with that fourth mm-hmm. pick. yeah and it's I think it's the type of homework and it's the due diligence that uh, the general manager like Monty Ossifort needs to do to go out of his comfort zone because I think we've talked about this like he would much rather probably take and build the trenches in this spot yeah right but there's this player that you can't avoid that is undeniable in Marvin Harrison Jr. and and he, he's accepting that, and he's not trying to avoid it in any way possible. So you have to preach, appreciate the Arizona Cardinals are taking on the, the opportunity because that's exactly what it is that you were, you know, the football gods have opened up the skies and blessed you with three quarterbacks that, you know, quarterback needy teams are willing to either take one, two, three, or somebody get up and take a third quarterback. And then there's Marvin Harrison Jr., the top prospect in his draft, falling in your lap. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're very fortunate. I, yeah. They lost that finale, and we were all rooting for them to beat the Seattle Seahawks. But in the grand scheme of things, I truly believe it's going to be the difference between getting Marvin and not getting Marvin. Like, if the Chargers were picking fourth overall, the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh would be taking Marvin Harrison Jr. if he were to become available. And I think we're going to have Benjamin Albright on, NFL insider, tremendous. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's going to join us tomorrow. But, I mean, the, the talk around the NFL Combine is – New England Patriots are not taking Marvin Harrison Jr. third overall. Like, you can read blogs and you can read mock drafts and this, that, and the other. Like, we had a chance. Elliot Wolf spoke this morning, and it's all about quarterbacks and then recouping draft assets. It, it did not strike me, Bo and Britton, as a guy who's going to take a receiver at three when the rest of the roster is on fire. I mean, they are in worse <laughs> spot than the Arizona Cardinals were last year. The Cardinals are really going to be in a position playing Kyler Murray eight games, playing well, building momentum, and still being gifted MHJ at number four. And I know we're in late February, and it's taboo to say the pick is in. I, I just, after day one of the combine, that's mm-hmm. my number one takeaway. It's like these other teams, quarterback, trade down. That's what it feels like right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were in the exact opposite spot last year, Britton. Like, we were sitting out here, and we were fully prepared for the Arizona Cardinals to be in on one of these two top defensive players. And uh, Jalen Carter, this was before, you know, he was had a warrant out for his arrest. And, of course, Will Anderson Jr., who was the eventual defensive player of the year. Yeah. And, you know, Albright basically told us, and, and we heard, you know, from different people that Cardinals just aren't that interested. That's the opposite with MHJ. It's like yeah. they seem very interested. Even Jonathan Gannon, hopefully I'm not burying the lead here too much, you know, said, I got to watch more tape on him. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to be wearing Cardinals red and white more than likely. So, yeah, watch all the, uh, as much tape as you need. Yeah, well, and it goes back to what Johnny was saying and the situation that the Patriots are in. Like, they are in dire need of much more than a number one receiver at this point. I think mm-hmm. the difference between them and the Cardinals is the Cardinals knew that their franchise quarterback would be back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually. So they went into the season knowing we're going to have to plug and play until we can get Kyler back in the mix. The Patriots don't have that luxury right now. They they have nobody that they can say. Would he be their best player if they drafted him? Who? The Patriots. Like if If they drafted him? Yeah. Hands down. Like on the roster? Uh, Offensively? Easily offensively. Easily offensively. 100%. But it wouldn't make sense, essentially, because now you're, you're using the third third pick is that what they have fourth four no oh, or, the Patriots. Patriots yeah third you would use a third pick to get a generational talent at wide receiver 
with nobody to mm-hmm. get him the football. Yep. So at that point, you're it's a waste. just – I mean, you're looking at a situation in what Carolina just went through. You have a really good, talented quarterback, but you got put into a situation where you can't win. Yeah, it was, it was Fitz before UBA showed up. It was before. It was before. Well, before well, BA showed up. Yeah. Before, well, I mean, just that whole that whole shit. era of Cardinals football. <laughs> I mean, remember that? Like uh, poor, poor Fitz oh, yeah. was having he to catch through, passes from like Max Hall and yeah, about sixteen I mean, quarterbacks, it, whatever you say it. But yeah, and, and do you want? No, no rookie wants to come, especially a guy that we're talking about could be, ultimately, if it was the right situation, he could be a, the first overall pick at receiver, which is wild to think yeah. of. But he is, it, it, that would turn into an Eli Manning situation. I'm not going here. I don't want to be I, here. I, I don't even think, like, the Patriots, to me, I, I think they know, they're smart enough to know we've had um, Bill Belichick running our draft, yes. and, it, and it's, they botched it. I mean, Bill's a Hall of Fame, one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time, but he was enabled for too long. Mm-hmm. And now the talk around Indianapolis is like, that's the worst roster in the NFL. And it doesn't get fixed with a Band-Aid at receiver. No. It just doesn't. They don't have the luxury to take him. Now, he's not a luxury for the Cardinals. The talk around Indianapolis, I was just talking to John Middlecoff outside of the, the, the Volume Sports Network, and he basically said, like, Cardinals have real players. Kyler and Trey McBride. Like, people know there's a growing buzz. Yep. And and Paris Johnson Jr. They're in a much different spot, Bo. And I think that that was very much emphasized by their GM and head coach today. Like, this is not last year's team. Sure, they have a ways to go. But they are not some bottom feeder franchise in terms of their roster now. Yeah. Well, and, and Elliot Wolf can take from that, you know, to, you know, he's, he's also in the organization that Monty Ossifort was in for 15 years and realize and recognize that this is probably in today's NFL the fastest way to get back to relevancy, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you've been kind of just dwindling away, right? Salting away is an organization, once a very proud organization that dominated for two decades with Brady and Belichick, and then now are a shell of that, even less than that. And that the quickest way back is to completely just tear things down and then try to gear up for next offseason. Take your lumps now. Make the the smart moves instead of trying to go up at three and take the best player available and maximize that third overall pick and turning it into, you know, more picks. This draft, which is a very strong draft, probably eclipses next year's draft as of right now. Correct, correct. But still get get yourself some draft capital. Especially in the quarterback position. From beyond. Nobody's emerged at that position. That's that's worthy. Yeah, I mean, it just it goes to show you, like, no, two hours before. The, the top seven to ten prospects in this year's draft, and I'll include Joe Alt and Alu Fashionu and Brock Bowers and Roma Dunsey, like, they're top picks last year. They push a lot of those guys down, frankly. And I love Devin Witherspoon and Paris Johnson Jr. And, you know, Will Anderson Jr. won, you know, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Like, are they drafted over a lot of these guys? I think it's a coin flip. I think those guys maybe go at the back half of the top ten. When you consider the grades that are being discussed for, of course, Caleb Williams, and I see chat, you know, kind of going off about what's what's happening with the Chicago Bears, even more clarity. I mean, if you saw Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles today, it was like they are doing damage control. We're going to take care of Justin Fields in the sense that do right by him. And Eberflus is alluding to if it's Fields or somebody else. <laughs> I mean, like the writing's on the wall. The, the Fields trade, I know we've talked about this ball on our show. It's imminent, but it's imminent, imminent. They're trying to get this done fast right. to set up Justin for success ahead of free agency so they can pivot 100% to Caleb Williams, which they've already done. Does anybody ever do that? Like, 
you know, we're we're dating right now. I mean, it could be my current girlfriend or somebody else. <laughs> it was bizarre. Remember that? Remember Fields tried to use that analogy for why you unfollow him on yeah, Instagram? Yeah. The, you know, you don't you don't follow the girl you necessarily like. Well. You know, the the Bears are shopping around as well. They they are absolutely sh- shopping around, and they've got their eye on somebody. It's, it's the number one pick in the They're draft. the field. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, and I, mean, I, I get where they're coming out and they're saying that, and it's, it's noble. Yes, you do want to make sure that you set him up for success. You don't want to, like we talked about earlier, what, what would be the point in drafting quarterback number one and keeping Justin Fields in the back pocket? Nothing. Right? That all that does is hurt you. Now you're losing money. Right, and, and and then it hurts his career as well because he could find a good fit where he could get out early, free agency wise, find a good fit, get in early, and then have success. So yeah. I think that they're both definitely playing the field. It's, they're it's, in Old Town Scottsdale right now, partying it up at Riot House, looking good place just to be. scanning the horizons. <laughs> I've never experienced that. You know, as a 36-year-old married man, having been in Arizona about three years, I can imagine that's a that's a pretty good life. You got a pretty yeah. good setup. You know who else has a good setup? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray now with immense support from his organization, Monty Austin Ford. Jonathan Gann spoke on K1 today. Let's hear from Monty Austin Ford when asked about how nice it is, gentlemen, to have K1 back in the fold this offseason. Yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's a good position to be in. You know, I think uh, the way Kyler came back at the end of the year um, gave us all a lot of confidence. The, the way the offense hit their stride, both running the football, throwing the football, um, and just getting Kyler's health ha- uh, back to a point where he could use his legs, use his arms, do the things that we're accustomed to seeing. So, you know, I think, um, as always, we're going to evaluate every position that comes in the draft, but, you know, knowing that Kyler is where he's at and not only where he's at, but getting better and seeing him work and progress the way he is, I think it's an exciting spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, when you have that box checked, that's huge. That's it's almost half the battle as an organization. It, it really is having that quarterback and having him. And when we talked to JG a little bit about it and how he's now gearing up to take the next step as far as this process goes as your franchise signal caller. And he's in a he was in a brand new system. He's just coming off a significant injury. And you know, there's no doubt. There's no longer any doubt as far as Kyler Murray. I don't care. You know what? You know, a former franchise quarterback said that he he still has his doubts, but. You know, there's no doubts within the walls of the of the organization right now. Like they're moving forward with Kyler, and and they're going to build around him with this cap space, with this draft capital, and it's exciting time. Like there there is, I mean, even from the the media scrums that we had out here, there was a certain energy from the people on the podium and the people asking the questions. There's there's a there's a real vibe around this organization. Where last year it was just like, can you believe this? Can you? Like, you know, we'll see if this one works this time around. I mean, and they were they were an embarrassment last year. Yeah. They'd come off an embarrassing 18-month. Yeah, rudderless ship. And, and they, then they, they had to they, rebuild. Yeah, and then they found uh, two guys that, you know, were just waiting for their opportunities, and they got it, and they took it, and they're running with it. And, uh, you know, just to, to kind of recap Monty a little bit, you know, we talked to Monty about the potential of, of Paris Johnson Jr., what you have sourced. Uh, that Paris Johnson Jr. is going to stay at the right tackle position. And, you know, there was thoughts that he might, you know, check out and, and practice and do some technique drills from the left side. But they like the continuity, right, from, from year over year, you know, with the coaching staff, with the roster, some of the players on the roster, especially at the quarterback position. It would now shock me after hearing some of those comments like, sure, you can preach versatility, but at the end of the day, you know you got your right tackle. Yeah, I just think they want consistency. They want sure things and not that Paris couldn't play left tackle, but they're going to have moving parts anyway. 
on the left side of the offensive line. So why not double down on what was his strength last year? Frollo, Will Hernandez, and Paris Johnson Jr. blew people off the ball from week one to week 17. That was one of the strongest position units on the team. Last year was your offensive line, and that was the best individual unit within the unit. And so I, it feels like, listen, do they know who their left tackle is going to be week one? No, nobody does. And it's, it's hard to pinpoint, is a left tackle going to make it to 27 that could start week one? Is there any going to going to be anybody worth their salt to sign as a free agent that's a tough position you have to overpay for Humphreys has really kind of thrown a wrench into this situation through no fault of his own because he was going to be their left tackle now he's gone he's going to be released we have it sourced this offseason at some point Gannon spoke about him earlier today but it just that's that's one kind of piece to the puzzle we don't have an answer to but it does feel like Britain with regard to Kyler Murray because I do want to bring it back like Austin Ford's answer was was pretty political. When you hear from Gannon later in this show about how he feels about K1, like you don't need to hear anything else. They they've got their guy and they feel an immense luxury compared to a lot of these other teams here that they don't have to go through the slum of guessing, hoping and praying with a rookie quarterback. Oh, agreed. And you just can piggyback that off of last season. You had a strong performance to end the season from Kyler Murray, which is everything you wanted to see from an organizational standpoint. Now you get to bring him into the fold from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. Right? It's off-season workouts. It turns into OTAs. It turns into mini camp and into training camp. He's going to get all that time with his receivers, new and free agent and the ones he's got right now, the, the chemistry they can build, right? He came in week 10, right? There was no chemistry built. Mm. He lost six months of chemistry with receivers and tight ends and running backs and the offense in general. Now you're going to give him an entire offseason this uh, you could see, like you said, the excitement in JG's face, just being able to talk about K1 and having him in the building already and around and the the progress that he's mm-hmm. making just now in the offseason. I mean, we're two and a half months removed from yeah. the football season. He so. had to relearn everything, right? I mean, he also had to relearn, you know, as far as how he was going to take his drops, right? As far as which foot was forward, which foot was back, and and all that, and like even things that were almost second nature, like his rapport with Hollywood Brown. Decimated. It was over, yeah. right? I mean, not not saying it was over, over. I and mean, you'll hear from Jonathan Gannon and his thoughts about uh, Hollywood Brown. But you know, he had to redevelop relationships yeah. on the fly with an injured wide receiver core. Like Hollywood Brown had the heel issue, he had the thumb issue, he had a hamstring issue, and then eventually had to be shut down for the season. So other people had to emerge. We talked to Michael Wilson Britton out at Radio Row, and he was very transparent about it and held himself accountable for, you know, at one point they were 0 for 8 as far as targets and receptions, and they had to kind of go back to the drawing board, and but kind of stayed steady with what they were doing because they knew it was going to work out. They were going to get that timing down. And then he also developed one with, with a guy like Greg Dorch who emerged as one of his, his I guess, top receivers down the stretch. And we wanted to learn about Greg Dorch from Monty Osfort. We asked the Cards GM about the future of, uh, you know, another one of our playmakers at PHNX. Yeah, I mean, I think Greg's made a lot of plays. Greg's, Greg's made a lot of plays before I got here. Greg made a lot of plays when he got his opportunity. So, you know, Greg's a guy who's always ready to take advantage of whatever opportunity he gets. And when he when he's taking advantage of those opportunities, he earns more opportunities. So, you know, Greg does a great job for us. Uh, Greg's tough. He's he's uh, he's physical after the catch for a smaller guy. Um, you know, he reti- he took a step as a punt returner last year. So, you know, Greg made a lot of plays for us, and and he's going to make a lot of plays for us next year. You know how I feel about Greg Dortch. I mean, the dude's a playmaker. He plays twice the size of what he is. Uh, he's a return guru. 
Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing back there. I mean, he, he catches the ball on offense. And what we saw at the end of the season when he was playing receiver consistently, he caught the ball and he looked like a return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? He turned a drag route, a three-yard drag route, into a 40-yard touchdown pass. Right? And, and like, like Monty said, in, in, he's made plays. He makes plays when his number is called. Mm-hmm. When he gets in the game, when he gets his opportunity, he shows up every single time. That's... I mean, I, I feel like I, I love watching the kid play. Well, that, that fits the organization, right? As I talked about, you know, Monty's uh, preparedness for this offseason and Jonathan Gannon's preparedness for each and every week in approaching the offseason and, and training camp. Like, they're not going to – nothing's going to kind of catch them off guard. And the same thing, it trickles down to the players. Like, these guys understand that in this league, you know, your number is going to be called and you either perform or you don't. So put yourself in the position – to perform when that opportunity arises, That's right? And, and like Greg Dorch, he said it on on the All Purpose podcast, essentially that that same thing. Like, I either get the chance and and take the ball and run with it, figuratively and, and literally, uh, and and make plays, or they're going to find somebody else that can't. Ba had a saying that he would tell us at the beginning of training camp, right? When we when you get out there on that field, you either gain exposure or you get exposed. Yeah. Right. And every time Greg Dorch touched the field, he got exposure. I mean, he, he was a big reason why they beat Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. And you, you have to wonder, like, how many more games would they won had he been a focal point earlier in the season? I mean, he just he made plays on third down. Every mm-hmm. opportunity he, he was he was given, he ran with it. I think it's interesting. And we get a lot of, well, actually, people on Twitter, not people in this <laughs> chat, but they're like, well, Johnny, they were already – he was a restricted free agent. He was already coming back. As of right now, and, Bo, you pointed this out – He's, he hasn't been tendered a contract yet. Right. So that was news today when Austin Ford said he's going to be back with us next year making plays. So whether it's a new contract in the form of an extension or just the restricted contract, which, you know, fortunately for the Cardinals, unfortunately for Greg, only pays him about a million bucks mm-hmm. this year, he's going to be in the fold. But like until that confirmation came today, it's just like, well, what are the Cardinals waiting for? That's one of the easiest box you would assume to check. It's getting checked. We just don't know the logistics of how it's getting checked. Right. And you, you know, for, for Greg, it's it's really unfortunate because it's a, uh, you know, time accrued versus the, you know, how long he's been in the league. He's been in the league four years, but he's accrued two years of service time. Yeah. So he's an exclusive rights free agent where Monty Osfort could could easily just bring him back, and he all he had, like nobody else can negotiate with him. And he's an Arizona Cardinal, and he has to play for this number. Yeah. Now, I asked him, you know, with, and the same thing goes for Jonathan Ledbetter, who was one of their better defensive linemen uh, last year. And, you know, they're exclusive rights guys. Are they bringing them back? Are they exploring bringing them back? And Monty just said, hey, we're just working the checks and balances here. But, you know, his comments that you guys just heard about Greg Dorch, it doesn't sound like there's any, you know, debate. I mean, Dorch is going to be a Cardinal. Yeah. He'll be back. What uh, pecking order he has on the receiving core Wide receiver three, punt returner, that's all remains to be seen. I would say good news for Dorch. Maybe not great news for somebody like Rondell Moore. Like what does his, you know, playing time look like, especially if they were to acquire a Marvin Harrison Jr. If they're active in free agency. You guys have been active with the Super Chats. Let's get to them. Uh, Damon Dog, if you could, let's throw them on the screen. How about go ahead and read them for us, Damon Dog, since I can't see it right in front of me. Uh, so this is from Jason, and he says, question from left field, what pieces do you think the Cardinals should acquire to correct the 100% liability <laughs> of our secondary hashtag no fly zone? It's a great question. I, yeah, I mean, 
you're they're obviously going to explore stuff in the draft. It's probably I mean, you're not probably not looking at that in the first round, but right. you're going to look at it in the draft. I mean, you had a lot of young guys from last year's draft that mm-hmm. got to play in the secondary this year. They they got you know, exposure, they got reps in game time action, and I think they'll explore the same, you know, possibilities in this year's draft as well as free agency. I feel like you have to dabble and look at the market, who are the top corners in free agency, mm-hmm. especially like you said earlier with a luxurious need that's that's could be available and stuff like that. You've, you've got to look into all your options you know, in, in free agency, that's going to be where you're going to find yeah. a top corner right away that's ready to play. You got to sniff around and, and go down every avenue. Johnny, you have it sourced that, you know, they'll they'll be aggressive, maybe even look at the trade market for that position. But I would be shocked if they don't come away with at least a vet corner in, in some avenue this offseason, and then they don't supplement it throughout the draft with, with all that capital. I mean, they have two uh, what I think are elite Pro Bowl caliber safeties, so that yeah. attributes to their you know, fly, no fly zone secondary. And Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker. We're talking about Buda here in a little bit. Uh, Garrett Williams is going to pop in year two. He gets a full offseason healthy, look good in, you know, about two and a half months of playing time as a rookie. And then it's kind of a blank canvas. Starling Thomas, the third, or the fifth? The third. Fifth. The fifth. Yeah. Starling Thomas, the fifth, co rookie <laughs> with Garrett, um, look good at yeah. times. But can you lean on him? Marco Wilson gone. Antonio Hamilton, he's probably gone at this point. I think they're going to flush the position. I don't know if it's a position they're going to spend a ton of money on because, like Gannon knows from his days in Philadelphia, Minnesota, Indianapolis, their front seven has to be tackled first. And so if you're asking me today what I think they're going to prioritize first, I think it's going to be line of scrimmage play first, secondary second. But, again, who's available might dictate that also. Yeah, but look at Philly post-Jonathan Gannon exit, right? Uh, you had a front seven that was ferocious, that racked up 70 sacks, that also in turn racked up 17 interceptions. That yeah. was just as disruptive and game-wrecking as the NFL's seen, right? And then JG exits, and you take out a couple key players, um, and you see guys in the secondary like a James Bradbury and a Darius Slay and yeah. Avante Maddox and guys that were on, you know, having banner years. Yep. They starred throughout the postseason up until the Super Bowl. And then this next year, you know, you've got Philly fans that are lighting their jerseys on fire, <laughs> and they've got uh, was Trashberry. Was that his? Yeah, that they his couldn't name? get the secondary out of well, town they had fast the enough. Worst secondary in it the was, NFL. It was br- down the stretch. Really, it, it was statistically. They had the worst it, defense it's in the not NFL. even. It's not even uh, us embellishing. It, it, it oh. was statistically one of the worst. So if you do, if you do get the front seven dialed in, I think it, it elevates pedestrian to below average cornerbacks. But I don't think they're just going to go for that. They're looking to improve this roster throughout, from top to bottom, and I think that they'll get guys obviously in the defensive front seven, and they're going to get guys, especially at the outside corner position. Yeah, they're going to gamble, and hopefully one of the, I would say, premier corners falls to them, 27-35. Speaking of gambling right now, if you have not signed up yet with BetMGM, Bet5, get 150, what are you waiting for? Even though I'm in Indy right now, you can still dabble. I think gambling's legal in, in, yeah, in, in yeah. Indiana. Yeah, for sure it is. Uh, but if you're back home in, in the great state of Arizona, anywhere in the continental United States that uh, you're allowed to dabble, do so with our friends at BetMGM. Here's this offer <clears throat> you can't get anywhere else. Sign up with the bonus code PHNX. You're going to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You just got to be a new customer with our friends at BetMGM Sportsbook. Sign up now on your iOS or Android device or check them out at BetMGM.com. 
Bet.com. Place a wager in the amount of at least five bucks standard odds price. Once you've placed your bet, again, 150 is going to be deposited regardless of the outcome of your wager. Win or lose, you're getting those 150 in bonus bets, but you got to do so with BetMGM. You got to do so with PHNX, the promo code PHNX, that is. Tell them PHNX Cardinals sent you. Check out the show notes for full details. Now, listen, live from the NFL Combine, Damon Dog, talk about it in the disclaimer. It's strange because that used to be Shane reading that disclaimer. To so, see him such an upgrade. <laughs> such an upgrade. And then Damon is uh, he's reading it right in front of his face. I don't know. I don't know. It's dirty. Damon's taken over bets daily. <laughs> it used to be Shane's show. He's taken over the bets. Is reads. that the name of it? Bets Daily? Shane, you don't have to sit here. Bets Daily with Damon? Do you think that was? You don't have to sit here and take this. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This Make is what it I've been waiting triumphant for. Triumphant return. <laughs> Here we go. To PHNX program. That's what we were trying to bait anyway. These are the first words I've spoken on, on <laughs> PHNX air since Ray Anderson resigned, which was three months ago. Very long time ago, yeah. and that's how Surely much. Surely they have an AD by now, right? That is my baby. That is, <laughs> I, I birthed that show, oh my and I will God. continue to take care of that child. You will, unlike play. somebody who abandoned it, Johnny Venerable, I and child. I'm taking it back. PHX <laughs> Daily Bets is back Monday through Friday I at noon consistently because that's what I do. On my show next week. I pay child support on PHX. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have Shane back it in is. the fold. He's going to be with us all week. Then I think he's going to travel back with us back to the to the valley and, and be back on yeah. phnx programming near you he, he's glad to be trading his uh the floors there in the bus with athletes first for actual hardwood floors and actual floors at his uh apartment <laughs> condo and if you need to trade up for your floors and uh it's easy to do with our friends over empire today you can shop at home with convenience the right product for quick professional installation with a price match guarantee that means if you find a better price you're just not going to find a better price than empire today they'll match it so why not go with those who know what they're doing. It's not somebody that was just working at Jack in a Box last week, got fired and was looking for a new gig so they, they got a job at a flooring company. No, Empire Today knows what they're talking about. Empire Today, today is easy, quick and convenient. Check out what's going on in their virtual floor design. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy to snap a picture and instantly see how the new floors will look in your space. Go online right now to empiretoday.com slash phnx and you can start your way to saving $350 on your flooring needs, carpet Flooring. Go to EmpireToday.com slash PHNX for more details. We love Empire Today. They are uh, attached and partnered with us as far as every mock draft we do. It's building your Empire Today with Empire Today. We love them. We love our partnership. Absolutely. We love if you guys partner up with us. Drop a like in this video. Uh, check us out. Go PHNX.com. I've been dropping exclusive behind-the-scenes footage here from the NFL Combine in our PHNX Cardinals <laughs> Discord, including our own uh, PHNX Cardinals producer, Damon, going after Big Dom, just, <laughs> just several feet away from him, going on a profanity-laced tirade about Big Dom. Bum. Can, he's a bum? You can catch that right now. Explicit content. You need your PHNX own Big Dom. Well, hey, I'm selling pay-per-view to that fight, by the way. <laughs> 99.99. My Venmo. I'll do it. How, how, Dom, how Big Dom supposedly reigns in Nick Sirianni, you need that in your life. Somebody needs to reign in Damon. I'll yeah, be but that guy. I feel like I'll the people do that. <laughs> I'll the be your big dumb. The people around me, and Britain would be good at that, but the people around me, they want to see me as riled up as possible. Okay. Like, like Bo, you're not helping out. You're 
you know, putting fuel to the flames. Yeah. Every single time I get fired up I here. Do, I kind of do stoke that fire a little bit. You want I, nothing more than Big Dom to walk over when Damon We was thought he was. Him. Yeah. I, it looked like he was for a yeah. second. It looked like he was genuinely beelining for me. I mean, I am his biggest hater for sure. I'll see him out at the bars. We'll he, talk. He we'll is talk a, business. He is active and he is around. Uh, you never know who may pop up on this show. Uh, but again, you got that and more. PHNX Cardinals. Plus, we're having a monster sale at the Merchandise Locker. 30% off. Check it out, phnxlocker.com. Pick up this hoodie. Pick up a bunch of PHNX Cardinals tee, whatever you want. Suns championship stretch run. You got to find it right now. The clearance sale, 30% off. I think everything. Yes. Plus, you can stack some coupons when you become a diehard. Free shipping, all that good stuff. But you got to check it out at the locker. Bo repping the premier PHNX Cardinals hoodie. I have this hoodie. I didn't wear it today. Because, you know, twinsies. But, again, fantastic piece of merch that you can only get at the PHNX Cardinal. PHNX Locker, excuse me. You got to dress like uh, you're out of a JCPenney catalog. I got into Showing P- off the dockers. TJ Maxx catalog. <laughs> That's right, TJ Maxx. That's appropriate. Uh, so, Monty Awesome Ford, any other takeaways from from his presser? You want to move on to our boy, JG? Uh, he, he kindly... Talked about Zayvon Collins, Danny Sarek from AZ Cardinals. Asked him, you know, are they have they made a decision on his fifth-year option? And he said, you know, we expect Zayvon to t- to make a jump in his second year playing a new position. Yeah, but never, you know, and they're gonna take their time. He said the same thing as far as Isaiah Simmons before they declined his fifth-year option. I think the same fate is for Zayvon Collins that he'll play out the final year of his rookie deal, his, his fourth year, and not get that fifth-year option. So. Got that. No yeah. surprise, by no. the way. And I, Gannon is loves Zayvon Collins. They're very close. Like, I could see Britain, like, the ideal situation for Zayvon is your two is better than your one at the position. Obviously, didn't get the fifth-year option, but is an extension candidate, team-friendly maybe, mm. next offseason where it's like we love what he does on and off the field. He's a staple in the locker room. Big physical player, but he probably will just never be – the sixteenth overall pick. No, I mean, I'm I'm sure that as a whole, they're they're hoping for a big jump in year two, and a lot of guys they do, especially when you're going to a new position and you have one year doing it. Nobody's expecting you to come out here and be a top five, you know, position player at a new position. But year two, they're expecting a big jump, and like you said, a good year from Zayvon Collins in year two could really propel. One, it helps him out, mm-hmm. and it helped the Cardinals, right? Even if he doesn't get that massive deal somewhere else with it. Now the Cardinals can get him for maybe not as much money as you wanted to, but you have him for a stable deal, and you've got a, a player that's, that can help you win. This is not Hassan Reddick 2.0. No. This isn't even anywhere close. There's a, there's a good relationship between the new regime and Zayvon Collins. They, they love his, his willingness to do whatever it takes to help the team and find his way here at the NFL level. It wasn't Hassan Reddick where it was just organizational malpractice. Uh, where they were trying to force a square peg into a round hole where they were going to play him off-ball linebacker, even though his natural position is pass rusher. And then, you know, they declined the fifth-year option because he hadn't proved anything. And then he pops off for 12 and a half sacks. And then Hassan Reddick was laughing his way all the way to the bank, throwing up double birds, as he should have, where I think that if Zayvon Collins comes out and balls to some extent, let's say, you know, seven and a half, eight sacks, maybe approaches double digits, maybe he exceeds eight, you know, double digits. And he's, uh, you know, a sought-off pass, sought-after pass rusher. I think that he will give, you know, uh, you know, it, to the Arizona Cardinals the benefit of the doubt that it was a business decision. 
and they needed to see you know him excel at this position before making a, a, a determination. Like they couldn't pick up the fifth year option, but I think that he would at least welcome a potential return if, if he did play well enough to get a bigger deal. He trusts his development under Jonathan Gannon, yeah. where you could never trust your development if you're a young player, respectfully under Vance Joseph and, and Steve Keim as an extension. Like, they butchered too many young players the early portions of their career. It's a big reason why Christian Kirk's not here anymore. They didn't play him enough early on. They didn't know what to do with Hassan Reddick. Like, He's in good hands now. Zayvon Collins and, and Jonathan Gannon are very like-minded. Uh, they get along really well, and I think he's going to be somebody. Listen, you could look up at the end of the year, like seven or eight sacks would be, would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Somebody that just is in the fold. You've talked about it. They want to run that eight-man deep rotation on the defensive line. So he's probably never going to be a Nick Bosa caliber player, and that's okay. You yeah. need rotational guys, and, and that's what Zayvon's going to be. Uh, and we heard from Jonathan Gannon this afternoon, which I thought, I mean, he held court today. Number one, it was the most comfortable I've ever seen JG. And Giddy, you could almost use that word respectfully. I mean, this is a guy very comfortable in his skin. You got to remember this time last year, you know, he was going through the interview process. He came on with the Cardinals, right? Behind the scenes, that BS with Philadelphia was still lingering. Mm-hmm. People in Philadelphia coming after his family. This is a very sure of himself, John and Gannon. And Britain, like, it's the first time you've seen JG in person. Like, how impressive of an individual he is holding court. And I'm not just saying that because he, you know, called me by my first name today. <laughs> like, low key, this is this is somebody where you just you feel good just about the hands of this of this team when he yeah. talks. You feel you do feel good about it. No, I, I did. It, I was I was very impressed today. I mean, most of the press conferences that I've heard from JG were during the season, right? Where he's not trying to express a lot of emotion. He's trying to keep everything even kill, trying not to give give away anything. I, I should say in any aspect. But today, you you saw a laid back. You saw a guy that is. That is happy. Yeah. That is excited for what's to come. That's hungry for what's to come. And I mean, he was laid back. Every question he was asked, he he attacked the question and yeah, gave absolutely. you the answer that you really wanted to hear. And even if it was a, a deflecting, and like there were some really dumb questions that were asked, and he he gave Sorry the about that. he gave the political <laughs> Didn't answer. Come from this show. <laughs> he gave the political answer. You know, he said, you know, well, it's everybody. You know, but it it it, it was to the point that. When it was a valid question, when it was a question that was, you know, people wanted to hear, people wanted to understand, he attacked it, he gave you a good answer, and, you know, you could just, his demeanor was just, it was exciting to watch and exciting to witness for the first time. It's unfortunate that at this time last year, Jonathan Gannon was kind of the butt of many jokes because him approaching his dream job with enthusiasm was corny to people. Yeah. But you see that once you get more comfortable and then you see the results and the buy-in and the culture change, that, that corniness is just, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's enth- authentic. It's, it's authentic yeah. enthusiasm. That if he approaches his job with enthusiasm, people are going to follow and approach their jobs with enthusiasm. The people that love ball are going to want to put themselves in a position to, to watch film, to, do stu- to study, to work out in the offseason and put themselves in a position for success because they're enthusiastic like if you're if you I'm sure you guys have older kids than I do when you're trying to get them to study 
they're not going to be enthusiastic about it if they don't care about it, right? If, and if you're if you're able to kind of make it to where they do care about it and you make it fun or it, whether it's a sport or activity that they're playing and they want to get better at it, you have to approach it with a certain amount of enthusiasm. And I think that's really a lot of what this organization is based on. Well, we talked about it before the show and not to take another shot at somebody like Isaiah Simmons, but the culture that was built by Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime was built off guys that were talented, but we never knew what their football character was made of. Did they love and commit themselves 100% to football? And at the cornerstone of any great team in Britain, you were on several under Bruce Arians, to even have a ceiling, or excuse me, a floor of consistent contender, playoffs, winning record, that's a mandate. you got to have a consistency and a, a DNA within your franchise that everybody is bought in, with a common goal in mind. And then let's go and get talented guys that feel the same way. And the Cardinals, even with four wins, I thought demonstrated were, were a, you know, an extension of Jonathan Gannon in that last year. Not a ton of talent, but they overachieved because they are authentic and they love football. And that's that's what I got out of JG today. And just, just the press conference that he had right there, that's a man that loves the game of football. Mm. He loves what he does. And that's what he wants from his players. And you saw that. You saw a lot of guys on this Arizona Cardinals roster last year that love the game of football. They could have easily said, you know what, screw this. We suck. This sucks. I don't want to be here. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready for the offseason. But these guys came to work every day. The core group of that that roster came to work every day. They showed up every week. They gave everything they had. It was Mm -hmm. a bunch of guys out there that loved the game of football and wanted to do everything they could to win for their head coach. And I think that's a a huge building block going forward. And you can kind of see, you know, the deep breath out of Jonathan Gannon today of knowing that he's got guys, core guys like that to build off of in this draft. What what I was thinking about a lot when he was at the podium and and I asked him, you know, what what your main role is out here, you know, with Monty Osfort, with the Arizona Cardinals contingent. And he's like, I'm deciphering, you know, whether or not these guys love ball. Yeah. And if they're going to be team players. And I also think about, about the little nugget that Michael Wilson gave us out of Radio Row about his first interaction with this organization. And he was working with pass game coordinator Drew Terrell. And Drew Terrell Britton was one of the first guys to talk to him. And he jumps on uh, screen and he's, he's breaking down. They're showing clips of Michael Wilson's, not his highlights from Senior Bowl, but his worst route runs where he's jammed up, where he's not making plays. And they were pretty much trying to decipher and figure out how he, you know, faces adversity and how he takes accountability. And I got to imagine that that's a big part of this process. No, oh, it is. I mean, when you look at a guy, especially a guy, how, what they're looking for, right? The attitudes, the love of the game that mm-hmm. they're looking for. That's the best way to go about it, mm-hmm. right? Go find the plays where he's not getting the football. Go find the plays where he gets jammed on the line of scrimmage, as you say, where he drops the football. How does he conduct himself? How does he handle himself? Is he a guy that goes and pouts and puts his head down and gets irritated and just shuts everybody off? Or is he a guy that goes back out there the very next play and tries to find a way to get better on the next play? Does he go out there on that next play knowing he's not going to get the ball again and block for his running back back there that can spring a 10 to 15 yard run? Right, instead of a two-yard gain. That's the kind of character that I think JG and Monty Osford are looking for in these football players. So to evaluate players like that, like a Michael Wilson, right? You see it. 
to see that on tape, a guy that loves ball, a guy that can come back from a bad a bad play, a bad game, a bad season, and show up the very next time and, and excel, that's that's the character and, that they're looking and for. And it should tell you everything you need to know for people who still doubt Kyler Murray. Jonathan Gannon doesn't have to hitch his wagon to anybody if he didn't want to. He's playing with house money in the first year of a rebuild. It should show you. I want everybody listen carefully with the enthusiasm that he showed when talking about his franchise quarterback, having him, K-1, in the fold this entire offseason, and if this sounds like a guy ready to move on from his franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, w- I mean, just reps, time on task with him. You know, I know he can do it all, but I think just his comfort level of operating at a really high level, which he showed, obviously, during the year that he can do. But uh, I don't think you've seen his best ball either. And uh, I'm very confident in that because he's a guy that attacks getting better every day. And, um, you know, it's a new system for him. He's, you know, it's new for him. And playing the quarterback position, it's one thing to be a, a corner playing in a new system. It's another thing to be a quarterback playing in a new system. So um, I thought he handled it extremely well. And I think sky's the limit for the guy. Sky's the limit. His coach is excited. You know, his, his GM is excited. They're moving forward, right? And you got, you know, Osford saying that he's at the facility all the time. As is Clayton Toon. So something else we learned about. You know, Clayton Toon is somebody that they're they're moving forward with at the quarterback position, and he'll, he'll probably be challenged. But you know, Kyler Murray's. We see him at the Suns game. We see him at Arizona State baseball. He's he's out in there in the posing dugout with his former college head coach, just taking in competition. He's just a competitor, man. I mean, that's and and it matches with what Jonathan Gannett like. Their competitiveness, it it, it matches up with each other. It syncs up with them. They're in lockstep as far as that goes. They wanted Kyler Murray desperately wanted to be challenged by people who could meet him at eye level mm-hmm. and could and match his intensity and, and enthusiasm. He didn't have that in the prior regime. I know it seems like probably we're knocking Cliff and Kime a lot today, but we also have to compare it to combines of and off seasons of years prior and how different, truly different, this field, something that wasn't in that clip. And John and Gannon went on to say, like, this offense, this team, it runs through number one, mm-hmm. like unequivocally. Like you can say, you know what, they're going to be a run-dominant team and they're going to play defense and X, Y, and Z, and they're going to get these receivers. No, no, no. It doesn't work if you don't have Kyler Murray. Like, Andy Reid was on the record today. Somebody asked him, like, what advice would you give to a young offensive play caller, a head coach? And he gave two, like, shtick answers. And number three said, get a quarterback. You don't think Jonathan Gannon feels confident walking around amongst his peers today knowing that two-thirds of these guys, as talented as they are, could be fired because they don't have the guy at, at under center? Mm. I mean, like, unequivocally, we're talking about quarterbacks going one, two, three in this draft, which I think we all agree is going to happen. Then there's these other teams like the Broncos and the Vikings who may have really good players. But at the end of the day, if they don't have a quarterback that can help them contend and compete, Kyler Murray's market, if he was available, don't get it twisted, would be robust. Robust when teams are having to talk themselves into an aging Kirk Cousins off of a torn Achilles, trading picks for Justin Fields. Come on. (laughs) Then you got Kyler Murray, who took Cliff Kingsbury to the postseason in a division with Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Pete Carroll. Uh, I, I think the perception publicly on Twitter and then what the NFL thinks of Kyler Murray are two very different things. I'm extremely jealous of you after what happened earlier today, but you were cooking just now. That was, uh, that was, I want to run through wall right now. That was well said. Appreciate it. It's nice, <laughs> it's nice to be appreciated on air when I'm so much not appreciated, disrespected <laughs> off air. How the press conference went today was Jonathan Gannon approached the media, and he said hello to me. 
And Bo took offense to that. Think about your good friend, your best can friend. Get, can we get a violin for Johnny? No, no, no. I just want to say, everybody think at home who your best friend is, whether it's your spouse or your buddy or whomever. And something and something beneficial happened to you. Yeah. And their first reaction is immense jealousy. How would you feel about that person moving forward? I don't know if we anybody would feel good about that. So while I'm excited about yeah. the future of the Arizona Cardinals, I have begun to question my commitment to this man <laughs> to my left as it relates to this show. I don't know how we go forward. Uh, you know, I'm tr- I'm finding a tough way forward as well. I, I'm just going to press, and uh, I'll get over it at some point. It's probably not going to be. Tonight, I think it's best oh, if you and I have some space at dinner. <laughs> We're gonna we have reservations at St. Elmo's in just over three hours, and I think Bo and I sitting on opposite ends of the booth. So I'm gonna sit yeah. next to my guy Damon Dog. <laughs> you can sit next to Shane and do whatever you guys do, and then we'll move on. I feel like every relationship you figure out who's the catch. Yeah. Of, of the of the group, and I feel like Johnny found out today that like he's the real catcher. I've almost been kind of pushed you down. No, you guys a deserve bit. each other with the, those kinds of statements. <laughs> Johnny's the catch. We hey, listen. We're gonna persevere. We're gonna yeah. somehow get through the rest of this week. I do want to get to some more from from Jonathan. Yeah. Gannon, though, because in all seriousness, so he talked about K one. He also talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. And again, common theme, Marvin. Arizona Cardinals, I almost get offended when other organizations try to also speak on him, like mm-hmm. the Patriots GM talked about, whatever. But <laughs> here's what Jonathan Gannon had to say about uh, the unequivocal wide receiver one in this draft class. Playmaker. Playmaker. Anytime he touches it, he can score points. So that's the name of the game. Score one more point than the other team. Um, so it was, uh, I need to watch some more. But uh, he, he's a playmaker. We're going to try to get that video up and running here in a second, but just kind of it's you can find it on PHNX Cardinals, just Gannon coming out and saying, Britton, he's a playmaker. He, he's a playmaker. I thought how confident he was in his response shows you, like, number one, clearly he's watched a fair share of Marvin Harrison. They heard it. Number two, okay, everybody had it yep. in the chat. We didn't have it here. But feel pretty good about his comments on wide receiver one. No, and, and we talked about it earlier. They've, they've definitely done their homework on Marvin Harrison Jr. They know what kind of player he is, what he can do, you know, how he can help this organization really immediately if he gets in here. So, I mean, he was confident talking about him. They, like I said, they're, they're confident in what they've seen from him, you know, what the film they've watched over him. And if he's the guy that we all hope, you know, we can get at number four, I, I think he makes an immediate impact. It, it's unbelievable what it would do for this offense. And I and I know that the the team is insecure as far as its offensive line. And, and you have to appreciate that, right? Because they want to get better there. They want to continue to build those trenches. And I, I think that all the good teams in the NFL do that and emphasize that. But what Marvin Harrison would do, you couple him with a playmaker, you know, at the middle of the field, like Trey McBride already is. And then you've got a compliment Z receiver and Michael Wilson, and maybe they'll figure out what to deal in the slot primarily. But what Marvin Harrison do, does at 6'4 with his playmaking ability, with his, with his work ethic that's already in lockstep with what they're doing in the culture shift for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, it would just take Kyler Murray and this Cardinals offense, it would take it to the moon. And they just, they know I asked a follow-up question to uh, Gannon earlier today. Yeah. yeah, and I was just, or maybe it was, I think it was Austin <laughs> Ford, basically earlier about Marvin, like, as an extension of the Marvin conversation, like, is there comfort in knowing that you hit on Paris, and I didn't phrase the question that well, but you hit on Paris, like, going back to Ohio State, like, you mm-hmm. feel like you feel good about being able to have a pipeline. 
or is it about player to player? And of course, uh, you know, Austin Ford deferred to the latter. You don't always just want to put a stigma, good or bad, on a university, but you can't tell me the relationship they have with Ryan Day and that administration and the fact that everything we hear positive, positive, positive on MHJ. And if he doesn't have an agent, his dad, I, I'm, I'm guessing his dad's very involved. And that's a good thing because his dad saw the lay of the land as a Hall of Fame NFL receiver, Marvin Harrison Sr. But, like, I read everything that's going on right now. We were talking to somebody off air. I'm not going to say who it was. But, like, like, potentially a scenario in which, like, Marvin knows he's going to the Cardinals. The Cardinals know they're getting Marvin Harrison Jr., and they're just skipping all the BS. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's a theory that's out there. We're not confirming or denying that, but, like, wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world, gentlemen, if just like, we're going to skip the middle part of this. We know you're a great player. We know you'll be a great player for us. We're going to focus on picks 27 and down. We'll see you in April. Yeah. It's kind of what it feels like a little bit, doesn't it, Britton? No, it does. And you, you could take it back when you were talking about Michael Wilson. A guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. can elevate Michael Wilson's mm-hmm. game. Yes. Because now you're not forcing a, a guy to, to have to come in here and have the pressure of being a number one. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you're not forcing him to catch double teams, which in turn, Marvin Harrison being the player he is, I mean, he's probably going to start commanding double teams from, yeah. the, from the get-go. Yeah. Right? So if you're a guy like Michael Wilson or you know a, number, a Greg Dorch or anybody else that's down the line, you're sitting here thinking, like, I'm going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities in the game, which gives me a lot of opportunities – to succeed, I but but a guy like it, I, I think you're right in in terms of how they're talking about. It. Like I, I don't think as long as Marvin Harrison is available, I, I think there's no other pick for the Cardinals at number four. They can concentrate on 27 and down. Yeah, it's like let's let's skip all the the formalities, right? You got into a relationship, and early on, you knew you're gonna get married. You don't want to play games. Yeah, let's let's take out all the. Other stuff. Let's let's not. You know, we don't have to move in together first to find out if if we're gonna if we can live together. And so, like this is this is a match made in heaven, and we're just gonna move forward. You don't want to play games with Marvin Cardinals. Are gonna play games with Buda Baker and his contract. Jonathan Gannon spoke on his All Pro safety and uh, whether or not he wants him around in 2024. Spoiler alert: Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, you, you know, that's kind of money. We'll handle that, but. Uh, Obviously, I know the value that he brings to this organization and the team, and um, you know, I you know, I want to see three out there. A little bit different than last year, right? When yeah. They're talking about you know DeAndre Hopkins, and it's like I don't know, right? That was what they said. <laughs> oh, about, they, did, they did know. They, they, yeah, they did, <laughs> yeah. and they just thought you know there might be a market potentially, um, and but at the end of the day, it, it turned into him being released before June first. You had to you know bite the bullet on a really good player in order to have. You know more space this year. That's not the case with a guy like Buda Baker. Now, like Jonathan Gannon has to put extreme faith in Monty Osafort that he's going to figure out some sort of I don't know if long-term solution is something that they'll discuss this off-season. But I think it, it's still something you have to tread lightly with because not only are you dealing with a really good player on your team, it's it's their legacy as well. And I don't, I wouldn't want to put a guy like Buda Baker in another position to where he has to kind of fight for what he wants and, and you hope that what he ultimately wants and I, and I believe this like I think that he, he ultimately wants to remain a cardinal but there are a lot of different variables that are in the way of that as far as you know his age uh, you know he's been the one postseason his entire career since coming in the league in 2017 and as far as him being in the final year of his contract that at a, at a position that you're seeing some of the numbers go down for 
Yeah, I mean, Britain, the Cardinals are paying Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson a combined $31 million this year. That, I think, is sustainable for one more year. I think you can pay two safeties over $30 million when you're in a rebuild like the Cardinals, when you're not paying anybody else. But I, I do think this, this is probably Buda's last year with the team, if he plays for the team this year. God, that's one thing that you don't want to hear as a Cardinals fan, because Buda Baker is an elite football player. He has been since he entered the NFL. I mean, I, I remember when he showed up as a rookie, he was mm -hmm. one of those that showed up and showed out every single day. And he comes to work with a great attitude and to play. But, you know, there's there's so many factors that you have to factor in in the NFL. It's a business now. And it, it's a thing that we have to learn as players, you know, coming into the game because it's been a game to us our entire life. Yeah. And then you have to sit here and, and understand that money is a huge issue moving forward and being able to keep guys in certain scenarios. And I, I think everybody that's a Cardinals fan would love to see Buddha as a Cardinal for life. I mean, it, he just, he exemplifies everything you want, you know, as a true team player, as a all pro player, as everything you could possibly imagine as a football player on and off the field. So, I mean, there's a lot, you said, there's a lot of factors that go in and out of being able to keep, would you be able to pay two safeties? 15 to $20 million a year, no, it's not sustainable, especially in this league. You've got to be able to fill other spots. But, you know, from my opinion, I'd love I'd love to have Buddha here yeah. as long as Buddha can be here. But at the same time, I want Buddha to be able to go out and, you know, and, and get that dollar amount. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got a family. He's got people he's got to take care of as well, right? I want to see him succeed and get every possible dollar that he can get. But you just want to see a guy like that be happy at the end of the day. I mean, it's good that the cap went up, right? Significantly, thirty plus million dollars, yeah. but yep. it still doesn't mean that you just go and you, and you go on a spending spree and say, "Hey, you get an extension, and we're going to go out and just pay uh, this top free agent, you know, what he's commanding, and more." So, uh, it's important for Monty Osford to continue to make those tough NFL business decisions, right? Yeah. The tough ones that you know the previous regime sometimes would make, right? I mean, they let Chandler Jones walk at 31, and it was the right thing and not giving him a big deal. And you know, I think probably the Peterson divorce it was it was inevitable, no doubt about it. But at the same time, they got his best years, right? And there's something to be said for that. Uh, and for for smart organizations are able to do that. The Patriots always we're, we're, would get rid of somebody too early rather than too late. And I think that that's going to be like when we heard from, uh, you know, J.G. obviously say he's going to go to war for a guy like Buddha and, and show his support. But then you also hear from Monty Austin for talk about D.J. Humphreys where he's basically just like, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. The timing of that injury is tough. You know, <coughs> where he is in his career is tough. You know, he's going to continue. He's been rehabbing at the facility. But he continues, and it's tough, man. Yeah. It's basically like you know where it's going, right? You know what the, the, the final answer is going to be, and it's unfortunately going to be not in favor of DJ Humphreys continuing to wear an Arizona Cardinals uniform. I mean, you look at overthecap.com right now, Humphreys is number two in terms of cap hit this year, almost $23 million. He's going to be gone. Buda Baker is making $19 million. And I think if he makes that amount, it's in the final year of his contract. Although if the Cardinals did move off him, they gained – you know, 15 million in cap space, but I, I think I'm with both of you. I think the Cardinals are going to do the last dance, no pun intended, try to make the playoffs with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, and then they're going to have a decision to make next offseason because Buda's an outright free agent. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of tough decisions, um, but a lot of change. And there's been a lot of change with this franchise 
specifically since the NFL PA grades came out last year, uh, we were actually live here at the Combine when that news break um, <laughs> broke last year. We're going to have the grades for this year tomorrow. But yeah. before tomorrow, the debut of the new grades, somebody did ask, we did ask Jonathan Gannon, what he thought of the grades and what improvements, implementations he's seen from the Cardinals since being hired as head coach. Yeah, truthfully, um, when I got on a job, a lot of those things that were in the works to get adjusted was not Monier and I, that was Michael. So he was adjusting to some of those things. Uh, making improvements, doing, hey, I want to do this, 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 and this. Great. You know what I mean? Does it help the players? Yeah, all right, let's do it. So he had a lot of that going on before I even got on the job. And then when I got on the job, Monty and I were like, okay, you know, we could use this, we could use this. Let's set this up a little bit better. It makes it better for the players. Michael says, great, do it. Um, so he's he's been fantastic. I think uh, I don't know how that gets scored. I don't know how that gets distributed. I don't know who takes that. Um, but I think that you'll see that our players were very pleased with how they were served in 2023. And that's the biggest key, right? It's going to come down to the players that were in that locker room, not the ones that were in the locker room in 2022 under Cliff and Steve Kime and, you know, enduring some, you know, safety hazard <laughs> gym. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, it, but this year is underneath Jonathan Gannon, Monty Osfort, and, and uh, it seems like a, a receptive, open-minded Michael Bidwell to, to upgrade where necessary. And, and they took him kind of with the player grades, Britain, to be knocked over the head multiple times in, in the form of F-minus grades, which I, I don't know what kind of student you were. I was a bad student at times. I never even saw an F-minus. And they got F minuses. They got two of them. Uh, I just don't. It wasn't great. It this was. It was the, brutal. The I, some of the some of the grades were even nice. I believe. I mean, where the facility looks now, to when I got there in 2013. I mean, we had we had two A high schools that had better facilities in the state oh of Texas. God. Oh my God! Don't say that. I mean, it, let's just be real. I mean, I, I'm, I'm being honest. We I've had got no up cafeteria. Look at these. F, we had when F I got minus, there in F 2013. F minus F. Social hey. studies, history, <laughs> language <laughs> arts. Hey, PE, strength staff is obviously an A. But listen, <laughs> I'm like telling my you, and they got rid of them. Buddy, oh yeah, well, buddy, buddy Morris is arguably one of the greatest strength coaches to ever walked for. I mean, he had a hell of a staff when I was there with Roger Kingdom and uh, Anthony Paroli, who's the head guy now in Tampa. Like, that was hands down the, one of the best strength staffs I've ever worked with in my entire life. But outside of that, when I got to the facility in 2013, we didn't have a cafeteria. There was no cafeteria. Where would you eat your food meals? Literally, they had some pop-up tables. They would put a, a service in there that would bring in food. It was like a, a food service it was it was ridiculous but and I mean, it, you're talking yes <laughs> but you're talking about a billion dollar organization right and this is what you're doing and and like it's a it's it's that a wonder a these grades, that's what i'm saying it's a wonder that these grades did not come out in 2013 2014 because grades that came out i mean i had one of my buddies played for the patriots that year the old you know the yeah. seahawks patriots yeah. yeah yeah he played for the patriots and the patriots used our facility I got a FaceTime call. I, want, I mean, we were out. We were, I'm sitting on my couch yeah. in my apartment in Chandler, Arizona, and he FaceTimes me, and he goes, Britt, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, it's, I mean, and I, I didn't know anybody. I mean, right. I did because I, I went to Chicago straight up, so I saw their facilities were phenomenal. Chicago mm -hmm. had phenomenal facilities. 
And but in my head, I was just happy to be in Arizona. Right. Time, right. I, I finally got the opportunity to come in and be on a team and. I looked past all of that. It's not It's not until after the fact you sit back and think, like, there's no way. Right. That, and I had to say, I was kind of in a similar boat when there was, I think McAfee was coming after him. Pat yeah. McAfee, they were coming after him because A.Q. Shipley, one of your former teammates, was he was vocal Great about dude. How, how bad it was, right? And I was, and I was like, I'm, I cover this team. I'm in there. To me, but what do I know? What 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 am I comparing it to? I hadn't been into the, any of the other 31 facilities. I mean, I've seen like you know college, you know college uh, setups like Bama. It's unbelievable. Michigan, yep. it's immaculate. Uh, but like, I I really didn't know what to compare it to. But I mean, in, in thinking the same thing, like they just renovated it in 2015, didn't they? And yeah. and they put in all those new things, That's especially the new weight room floor. New weight room. So here, the, the weight room was in shambles. Was was kind of shocking. And we, but we didn't get access to it. We used to get access to the weight room when you guys were working out in there, but now, no longer. But man, they must have just let it just get away. They gotta they gotta do better. I yeah, you hope- gotta keep up with the Joneses, man. We're hopeful you really that really do. We're well, hopeful that the grades are better tomorrow. It's it's it, you do, but I mean they can't be for worse. me you have to as a as the owner of the organization, you, you kinda have to just like look around. Mm-hmm. Like, look at these other facilities. Look what these players have, look what they're doing for these players. Like that has to be a priority. If you want big name free agents to desire to come to you. You've got to have a product that says, hey, I, that's where I want to go. Now, yeah. I mean, listen, you're already in Phoenix. Yes, I get it. That is the one of the greatest places to be in the world. There's a reason why I moved my ass. It my almost feels like right yeah. in the past they, they've but used that as a crutch, though. That, yeah. it, it is, though. Yeah. You, you almost, Like, come to Phoenix, right? The weather's never bad. Right, and then you turn into a degenerate golfer. Don't worry. As myself, and <laughs> Don't you can do worry that this squat rack is ten yeah. years old. Don't worry that these floorboards are but popped up. Go, go is, take a jog yeah, outside. Don't, don't worry that you're eating your lunch out of a bag in if your car. You had a crazy nice facility. <laughs> if you had, if you had great facilities like some of these teams in the NFL, the a majority Vikings. do. It's Minnesota. The Vikings. I mean, yeah. both New York teams have great facilities. The Florida teams have great facilities. The Cowboys have an unbelievable facility. The Texans have new facilities. Like it's. Yeah. It's stuff like that that does, people desire to go play for you if they know that they're going to come to an organization that wants to take care of its players and wants to give them basically everything they could ask for in the middle of a paradise as well. Uh, I get to this comment here. Elliot Hyde, spending is easy, but it doesn't guarantee success. Do the Chiefs have the best stadium, best cafeteria, best weight room, best locker room? Probably not. But you, I agree with that. But you also you want to have a combination of everything. And you certainly don't want to be known for an organization, a franchise, that neglects its its player well-being. Yeah, well, and nobody's saying you got to have the best ones in the league. Right. You just have to have something that's worthy of a billion-dollar industry. We're talking a B. Yep. Some of you people can't compre- comprehend what a billion is, but I mean, you couldn't spend it if you wanted to. And they're moving. They're moving toward, I think, respectability slowly but surely. And Gannon and Austin Ford playing a big part in that as they rebuild their facility. They're rebuilding this roster. Jonathan Gannon spoke on. The, how this team wants to be built, the culture that they're building, and then the fact that the draft is going to be their bread and butter moving forward. Yeah, Johnny, I, like I don't, I, some coaches don't like to do that. I don't mind that. Um, we put out the guys that we think can win the game. And if they happen to be a rookie or a second year guy, then, then so be it, you know. Um, but I think ideally you want a good mix of, of, you know, different experience levels and players, things like that. But we know, you know, moving forward, the bulk of the team hopefully comes from 
last draft, this draft, the next draft. You know what I mean? So you want to, in my opinion, you want to build through the draft and then supplement through free agency. And, um, you know, but to do that, you got to hit on hit on those. You got to make proper decisions. And it's not a perfect science. But, uh, yeah, I, I always um, was on board with playing young guys because I always thought just what I asked told, told Darren, the more they get to play, the quicker they get to play, the quicker you see what they are. And that could be not a threat, but that could be good or bad. Hey, man, like maybe you don't fit here or maybe you do. You know what I mean? But you got to see them to make that evaluation a fair evaluation. So, um, you know, I was pleased with the coaches because a lot of coaches fight. Yeah, no, I don't want to play this guy. No, we're going to play these guys and develop them. And let's make sure that he gets better from week one to week two. And that's what our staff did. Where are you guys going to dinner tonight? Called you by your name again? I'm not going anywhere with you. I'm not going no, I was asking about you. you and your BFF, JG. Listen, I'm just here to do a job <laughs> at the end of the day. If people want to compliment my work, I'm not going to stand in their way. And Are you going to be able to remain objective now? Are you going over for dinners? Or I am or the most doing? objective fanboy reporter in this market, <laughs> and I will not be told otherwise. Right, um, an moron. Fanboy reporter. Let's do it. Uh, Damon Dog, can we have some super chats, please? We can. So, first one, PR Mac. Greg Dorch, pay... Greg Dorch or let him walk, talk is cheap. Yeah. Okay. $5 the, super chat. The, the Thank tough you, part Mac. about that, the tough part about that is, is, as Johnny said earlier, he's he's a restricted free agent. So they really, it sucks for Greg at the, at the time because he could really go, if he was an unrestricted guy, he could find five to $7 million in free agency right now, especially mm-hmm. with how he ended the season, you know? But being a restricted free agent, it's not in your court at the, at the moment. You, you really don't have any control over this. I mean, you could play the big game and say, I'm sitting out. But, I mean, that, yeah. wouldn't, that wouldn't be beneficial for either. That would crush him. That would, yeah. that would crush his chances at the next yeah. contract. Even though, like, I, I think everybody should, should believe, like, he's been out of the college ranks for four years. Or he's been out for five years. He's been on NFL rosters for four and then, or at least on a on a, a practice squad at some point, but he's only accrued two years of service. I mean, it's just, it's it's a it stinks for him. And, and we're I mean, if you want to say hey, he's still making a million dollars, like you can do that. But he's also losing out, as Britton's pointing out, on an opportunity to make multiple millions of dollars. Oh, dude, he would he would. He would not get a one just, for one. Just, but here's, he's he would getting a get one for minimum five. Yeah. He would get a one for five minimum. He's getting anywhere. up just over north of a million bucks uh, for a second straight season to where, you know, he could easily go out there, get a two year deal for $4 million. That's $4 million and could, in your bank account. He could potentially live somewhere. I love Phoenix and Arizona. Taxes are, are high and it, the cost of living's high. He could go somewhere else and, uh, and at no state tax. And here's the tough part we talked about this off air. Michael Wilson, his trajectory, hopefully, is somebody that's going to get a contract from this team, mm-hmm. an extension at some point. Trey McBride, offensive pass catcher, extension incoming. Marvin Harrison Jr., hello at pick four, is somebody you want to build around for the next decade plus. How many receivers are you going to extend also extending Greg Dorch's receiver number three, four, and a punt returner, kick returner? Yeah. I think the Cardinals are going to be shrewd and keep him at the restricted cost and pay him a million bucks. And then hopefully Greg has a awesome year, kicks ass, and, and hits the free agent market next year and finally cashes in. That's but it just but it, here's the unfortunate part, it's just the timing for him to get paid with the Cardinals. Number one, they don't have to, which is shitty for Greg, and yeah. I feel for Greg. And number two, it's just 
he was a holdover from the prior regime that earned his spot. Mm. Keep in mind, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime stifled his development, and he earned his spot. He outplayed a lot of guys two years ago. But now he's in a, he's in a position where the Cardinals are going to be cheap and big at receiver, and it just it doesn't fit their timeline, I think. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to fast forward to next offseason. He's getting a three-year deal for $25 million. I just don't see it. I mean, from, from the Cardinals, it's I mean. gonna. It, well, it, it won't come from the Cardinals. Probably, I mean, let's just let's. They're gonna keep him for the minimum right now because they yeah. have him. They they have him dead to rights, like you said. But you know, I think everybody at this table, you know, when I say this, is hoping and wishing that Greg goes out there, gets his opportunity again, and completely succeeds as as he did this season and finds a way to go out there and catch that three for 25 because he deserves yeah. every single bit of it. Yeah, he's a big reason why they won games at the end of the 100%. season. And yeah, we're, we're very, very fortunate to have him a part of our PHNX Sports family. Uh, Deuce, $5 super chat. I see Britt is making sure JV doesn't get thrown around while creeping around in the bathroom. <laughs> Good job, Britt. Tune. Uh, I, wait, wait, you're just going to move on? No, I'm not. I'm not going to move on. I may or may not have secured our guest for today's show uh, creeping around the, around the bathroom. You That's nearly did. That's a terrible. Don't tell people you were creeping around the bathroom. Right, no, it's, it's our shtick for the show. <laughs> well, last year, fourth overall pick, Anthony Richardson, he, he crushed it at the podium. He's had a lot of great answers. It helped him propel him into the top five. And then he goes around our broadcast space here, and he's headed to the restaurant restroom, and Johnny just kind of follows him in there. Listen, the bathroom is in striking distance. I can see it from right here. It's the only bathroom from here all the way to the podiums over there. So if somebody has to use the potty, as my five-year-old would say, you got to make a beeline to that bathroom. So we will use that to our benefit. Uh, we're going to get to our guests of the day here in a second. But first, you know what I use to my benefit is our, our friends uh, at Desert Financial Credit Union, which also happens to be the official credit union of the Arizona Cardinals for more than 84 years. They've been hooking the Valley up as uh, Arizona's most uh, largest trusted local credit union, that being Desert Financial. And they're hooking you up beyond just your standard checking account, which you can have like me. They've got saving, savings accounts, mortgages, loans, credit cards, investment options, and more. They are fantastic. The minute I came to the Valley, I said, I need a new credit union. I got to ditch my old one from the Midwest. I was paying fees. It just was not good, a good fit. Desert Financial Credit Union, there are tons of locations in the Valley. Look them up. They are everywhere. Get you your money fast and efficiently. ATM, great customer service. And plus, if you're an Arizona sports fan like myself, my co-host here, and the great Michael Wilson, um, there's no better place to do. Michael Wilson does Circle K. Scratch that. <laughs> do your banking. <laughs> he could with, bank he it. Might, he might do yeah, a Desert Financial. Know. I don't know. Uh, there's no better place to do it. The official credit union of the Arizona Cardinals, you can get the Arizona Cardinal Visa debit card. You've seen mine. Yeah. I was flashing around the bar you last were. night. Everybody was like, ooh, what's that? Desert <laughs> Financial. Apply right now. Get your free checking account online, desertfinancial.com slash cardinals to get started. You're going to get that Visa Cardinal debit card in the mail just a couple days after the That's fact. Right. Johnny, was, uh, he was he was buying the fellas the first round of drinks out here in Indianapolis. Wow, and such was, a nice guy. He is. He's, he's a really nice guy. Uh, you're going to be out there. You're going to be buying some drinks at Phoenix Raceway in two weeks, two weekends from. Uh, not for you. Not why not? Doing, doing <laughs> Come, for on. You. Come on. Go out there. Bring the whole family, right? Uh, you're not going to be Brank of the Bank there. You're, you're going to be able to go and, and have a, a great, cost-efficient time at the raceway. NASCAR hits the Valley of the Sun 
on March 8th through 10th. Best in class fan experience meets racing's toughest drivers for three days. All the action surrounded by, of course, those beautiful stray mountains out there on the west side. Uh, whether or not you're a diehard racing fan, simply looking for a fantastic day out with the fam, check it out. Get your tickets to the Shriners Children's 500 at Phoenix Raceway, March 8th through 10th. Promise to be the weekend of good vibes for the whole family. Get your reserved grandstand tickets now at phoenixraceway.com. Johnny, maybe check out what uh, Gannon's doing that weekend. Maybe you guys can hit up the Phoenix <laughs> yeah. Raceway together. Get the families together. <laughs> Is it not enough that you're just, you try to do a job, you do it the best that you can you're respected by the people that you're surrounded by maybe you're dare i say my peers in this you know nfl world that we live in and everybody just you know they give you grief because of it that's too bad because i secured an interview an interview today uh bo and i had a chance to chat with espn nfl draft insider jordan reed on the state of guess what this draft class marvin harrison jr and more and yes we spoke to him just outside that bathroom roll the tape <laughs> The party continues here at the NFL Combine. Jordan Reed, NFL insider, draft expert, ESPN. How are we doing, my guy? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Second year in her role. Uh, of course, Brooklyn alongside Mel Kuyper Jr. Yeah. You still yeah. got the, the tight, you don't have the pompadour like Mel. I was going to wear it here, but I didn't want everybody <laughs> looking at me crazy. But no, Mel's great. It's um being a part of Mel and... I tell everybody, like, everybody had their favorite musician or their favorite athlete growing up. Mel was like that for me. Oh, man. He was like Michael Jordan to me, so he's a pleasure to work with every day. Well, we're infatuated here in the desert with this draft class, as I'm sure are you. It does feel like, especially based in comparison to last year, this year, much more star power. And for us in Arizona, that star power starts and ends with one Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Where does he rank in comparison to some of the other wide receivers you've scouted, you've researched in years prior? I think he's one of the best that we have seen in quite a long time. I think you hear the names Calvin Johnson Jr., excuse me, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Jamar Chase. I think he's right in that tier as far as a prospect. He's one of my favorite that I've ever scouted, and I think he's going to be a big-time player from day one. You know, they said that he, a lot of people said he's earned the right. I mean, he's probably the best non-quarterback prospect the last two years. Yeah. He came out last year. Uh, I mean, when he's not working out, I mean, he really couldn't do anything for himself to lift his draft, no. draft prospects anyway, right? No, I mean... He's one of those players that he could say, hey, I'll see you guys at the draft and right. throw us the peace on, and I'll be just fine with it. He's the top-ranked player in the draft for me. That just shows you how much I love Marvin Harrison Jr., and I think he's going to be a top-ten receiver from day one in the NFL. Yeah, I love hearing that. So if the Cardinals don't have a chance, God forbid, to get MHJ at number four, and we've heard pretty infatuated with this tackle class, who is the quintessential OT1 to you right now? Well, Joe Alt from Notre Dame is the one that's at the top for me, but you also are going to hear the name Olu Fashionu from Penn State. I think it's between those two guys. After that, you're getting into Talese Fawaga of Oregon State, J.C. Latham of Alabama. I'm high on Amarius Mims of Georgia, but the difference between Olu and Joe at the top is just which one do you want right away? I yeah. think if we had a game tomorrow, you could fit Joe Alt for his pads right now and his helmet, he'd be just fine if we had a game tomorrow. But Olu, he's still a little bit of a work in progress from a run game perspective, but pass protection, he's the best of the bunch. Arizona Cardinals are in a great spot, obviously, with two first-round picks, six picks in the top 100. But when you look at the fourth overall pick and the potential that maybe a team could be a wild card in the Patriots, maybe take Marvin, he's not there. Trying to maximize full. Is the next best option for Monty Austin for crew maybe trade out? 
with yeah. the quarterback hungry yeah. teams? I think so. So let's say Marvin goes at three to the Patriots. Now you need to get on the phone with teams to see who values that third quarterback, whether it's Jaden Daniels or Drake May. Similar to what we saw them do last year when they traded back. Um, when the Texans tried to come, or they came up for Will Anderson Jr., I think that is the best way to maximize for, especially if Marvin Harrison Jr. is off of the board. Do you feel like, I mean, everybody knows it's a, an offensive rich draft, but that's not to diminish the defensive talent that could be available for the Arizona Cardinals as ladies even pick 27. Do you feel like there's much more depth in the first round this year in the back half of the first round, like guys with true first round grades this year compared to years prior? Yeah, absolutely. And most teams have about 12 to 15 first round grades on average. Some scouts that I talked to, they said that they have as many as 25 wow. first round grades in this year's class. So that just goes to show you the depth of this tackle class and the receiver class as well. You know, we watched the Senior Bowl and we saw some prospects unfortunately play themselves out 27, you know, like Quinion Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. risen up the draft boards and we'll see about Tyler Guyton, but who are you looking at this week that probably could play themselves out of 27? I, I know Byron Murphy the second. you're big on him. Anybody else we should be watching this week in Indy? So I think the corner, the Cardinals need help at cornerback. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry of mm -hmm. Alabama is one that I definitely would have circled. There's going to be a lot of stopwatches in people's hands when he comes up for the 40, just because that's a big question mark about him right now, just how fast is Kool-Aid. So if he goes out and he runs a 4-4, I don't think he's going to get there at 27 <laughs> anymore. But if he does, Cardinal fans should be hoping he runs a little bit slower, just because I think he plays faster on tape than probably what he's going to show. But if he does end up running a 4-4, um, he could go higher than 27. But if he gets in a low 4-5 range, now that's where he could be in contention at 27. Last question for you. It's a, I, I think, a really rich offensive line class, even beyond the tackles. Mm -hmm. You know, Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. These interior offensive linemen, do you feel like there's going to be a handful of these guys that are maybe going to warrant a first-round selection this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we could see as many as three centers go in the first round. You just talked about one with Jackson Powers Johnson, but Graham Barton of Duke is another name that a lot of people are going to hear about. Zach Frazier of West Virginia is another name that has a lot of buzz right now. So this center class is a little bit top-heavy, but there's a lot of love for it at the top. You know, before you get out of here, though, I've got to squeeze one more in. I thought I was going to have to go outside of our PHNX space to find the worst take of the draft of Indy. <laughs> I heard from my colleague here. He said oh, that God. Oh, raisin <laughs> is a better cookie than chocolate chip. Ooh, yeah, that's real bad. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty bad one. Right Listen, there. it's healthier. <laughs> it's got a better taste, more fiber. It's a cookie. It's not supposed to be healthy, right? Right, exactly. Oh, I, would say, about I would say it's the Marvin Harrison Jr. of this class because it checks every box. Chocolate chip is a little, maybe, you know, maybe it's the Malik neighbors. Like, to some, it's wide receiver for one, but to me, it's oatmeal raisin. All right, Jordan Reed, follow him on Twitter. Read all his great work, ESPN.com. He's just getting started for draft season. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you guys as always. <laughs> I don't, you know, I was really happy about how this day was going, and then you yeah. hijacked that interview. <laughs> you feel bad about my, my stance with Jonathan Gannon. I, we had cookies at the... Uh, media break room and I like oatmeal raisin yeah. I think they're better than chocolate chip it was chip, a brutal game of Russian roulette with uh, the cookies in each respective box and either get a delicious chocolate chip cookie or you get the the horror story that is an uh, oatmeal raisin. You had a bad take, Johnny. That was a bad take. No, yeah, it's okay. not a bad take. That was and, and the Johnny, only bad take you had. Let's see for my oatmeal raisin brethren in the chat, please. Britton, he didn't just come out and say, you know what? I like, I kind of like oatmeal raisin. And I'd be like, yeah, you know what, fine. that's fine. That's fine. But you said it's better cookie than a chocolate chip cookie. It that's is. Which is no absurd. Shot. 
Somebody just put a fortune cookie in the chat. I'd rather have a fortune cookie than a chocolate chip cookie. How Stop about that, that How about Johnny. That? I'm going to take your microphone. No, you won't. This is my <laughs> microphone. This is my show. Just because, just because you're pro-raisin doesn't mean you have to be anti-chocolate. I'm not, but you know, you know, these guys are just needling so much that I just, it, makes, it makes it tough to want to be your friend today. Uh, Dude said that more, uh, more fiber in the cookies leads to more bathroom trips, which leads to more uh, <laughs> right. encounters. I'm more productive. I can I do guess my job I throw that better. on the pros. Yeah, okay. Somebody say I could get a restraining order by following draft prospects in the bathroom. Listen, it's a safe distance. I'm keeping. You got somebody in the chat. Is this a uh, this is a relative? Uh, C. Manich saying, "Agreed, it's oatmeal raisin greater than chocolate chip, and I'm always crucified." That's, Johnny's, hire, that's Johnny's yeah. burner. Account. I don't know who that is. I, I can just tell that we need to hire that person immediately. <laughs> Like-minded people like you and I, Manich, we we're going places. Jonathan Gannon, I bet, likes oatmeal raisin much more than chocolate chip. I can tell you that right now. Should have asked him like that. He probably. He probably thinks defensive line is a premium position, defensive tackle, <laughs> and oatmeal raisin. They are elite. This now is you've got to find a way to ask him. It's been an elite show today. Yeah. We went live for about 90 minutes. If you have not done so already, hit that like button. Go to gophnx.com. I uh, touched on this earlier. The sale that we're having right now, 30% off everything from the merchandise locker, including this phenomenal PHNX hoodie, sweatshirt. You can get it right now. Plus, a lot of free shipping on some items, especially if you are a diehard. And speaking of diehards, the content is flowing at the PHNX Cardinals Discord. Behind the scenes look at everything and anything here in Indianapolis. Oh, no. It's going throughout the entire week. Saul Bookman, $1.99. Oh, Oatmeal Raising no. Gang. Hell Saul. yes. I, I think lost. that's the, tr I, you, that's you the Trump card I needed. Today, Saul. Again, check us out, gophnx.com. If you become a diehard, send us a screen capture. We want to shout out our That's diehard right. from earlier this week. Gary. Gary. Gare Bears, we're calling them. <laughs> Screenshotted it, sent it to us. We're excited to, uh, to welcome Gary as a part of the PHNX family. So excited to chat with all of you this week in the Discord. But you got to pop in. You got to be a diehard. And in the meantime, you get a free T-shirt or hat every time you sign up for a diehard membership. And then you can couple that with free shipping, all the discounts we got going on right now. Basically, revamp your, your closet at a discounted cost right now, but you got to check us out, the PHNX Merchandise Locker. Yeah, get yourself a hoodie so anytime your partner or your friend embarrasses you with a bad take, like oatmeal raisins better than chocolate chip, you just put up the hood and you go incognito. Yeah, you need to put that hood up after your performance. <laughs> we have had a banner time here at uh, Indianapolis day one. Getting stuff done, chatting it up with Monty and Jonathan Gannon. We teased it tomorrow. A monster guest, Benjamin Albright, NFL insider. Uh, over 100,000 followers on Twitter. Ever heard of him? He's going to join us live here from the Combine talking Marvin. Odds that the Cardinals get Marvin. They're looking better by the day. What's happening with the Patriots? What's happening with Justin Fields? Everything and anything you want to ask a question, put it in the chat, super chat it up. Benjamin Albright, the marquee guest of tomorrow's program, and we get the NFLPA grades. They, we do. We do get those grades. Uh, hopefully a better score. They, they failed horrifically last year. Nowhere to go but up. There's only one, one direction to go. But I was kind of – Stood corrected when they received F minuses. I didn't think that was possible. So 
I don't know if you can get an F minus minus. Yeah. I didn't know you could get any worse. Mm. D's get degrees, C's get degrees. <laughs> that we need to start applying that to our Arizona Cardinals. You guys have been fantastic today. Like this video. Let's get this 300 likes here on day one of the NFL Combine. Big thanks. Shane Diefenbach, the return. Uh, kicking ass and taking names behind the scenes today. Of course, our top producer, Damon Dog on PHNX Cardinals, Britton Golden, Bull Brock, Johnny Venerable. We will see you tomorrow live from Indianapolis. Thank you.